Uh, welcome to our teaching today. Uh, today we're here once again with Pastor Sean Shepherd, and once again our friend from India, Andrew Yadav, is with us also. And today uh, we're going to talk about the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. So, uh, Sean, what do you have, have for us today? So we're going to start out, and we're going to talk about you know it's uh, it's a time of judgment, and it's decided on the Day of Atonement. And the Jews believe that on this day that the Father decides how your next year is going to go. And it's uh, it, the entire thing. The, every major and minor decision you will face, every blessing and every trial, they, they believe that. Even when he left, uh, will lift his hand of protection from your life due to sin. It's decided on this day. The Day of Atonement is a very serious day. And... It's the, one of the most holy days. It's considered it, the most holy. It is the most holy days of all of the Jewish holidays. Uh, they uh, celebrate uh, uh, a Day of Atonement uh, by fasting. They celebrate it by no work, no, no activities whatsoever. It's a day uh, that is totally committed to the Lord. Separation. So, and uh, it, it, is, uh, it is the provision of a covering. Uh, or satisfaction for sin. And uh, it provides uh, reconciliation between two parties that have been estranged. And this side, it is us, and estranged from God. And so this is the moment that God has set apart, that, uh, uh, it, that we come back to Him and with our whole heart. So that's the reason other things you know, are to be completely removed. What we do on a regular basis has nothing, it has not to be considered at such a time because the entire focus is, you know, uh, it's giving, it's a foreshadow when it says the word covering, kippur covering uh, of what would happen in the Old Testament when, when folks, you know, you could, they could only cover your sin. And then when you come to the New Testament, Jesus walks in once and for all and he uncovers all those things. And so with his own blood, atonement. And atonement, there was a lot of blood. But that was the blood of animals and then Jesus comes in. And so uh, it's a provision of a covering for or satisfaction for sin as well. Amen. Yeah. Amen. It's, uh, it's a day of decision where, where God is the judge. Right. It's uh, the counselors can't speak. So all the deliberation has been done. The devil can't accuse you of anything anymore on that day. You're going to hear the verdict passed down from the father. So he'll declare it from the throne. There's nothing left to say in the defense or the prosecution. This is the day of decision. So it's your court date. Hallelujah if you obeyed. Yeah. Not so great if you didn't obey the voice of God. So it's... Um, do we believe in Jesus? Are we are we doing what He says? Are we obeying when He speaks? Because uh, this is the day that it matters. Yeah, yeah this this is it, it's, and it's what it comes to. So for the world, it's a day of weeping and gnashing of teeth. We've heard that term several times throughout the Bible, and it is a time of judgment. So uh, you have to for those that'll be left behind. So I'm gonna put it this way. So last episode we talked about Revelations four one. The rapture of the church takes place. Mm -hmm. 
and that represents the Feast of Trumpets. Mm -hmm. So we have the 10 days of all, and we go straight into the Day of Atonement. So judgment for the world. So if you're left behind, you have a decision to make. Is it martyrdom, or am I going to uh, go through the wrath of God? Because there's really, that's the only two choices you got. You're either going to be martyred or you, you're going to go through the wrath of God. Yeah. So depending on your decision. Yeah. And that's, that's what it boils down to. So, you know, there was a judgment day for the children of Israel when they escaped from Egypt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they left from Egypt, uh, and I believe that I read this right, that the first day of atonement was when the children of, the, of Israel left Egypt and arrived at Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. This is, of course, at Mount Sinai, the Day of Atonement. Also, when uh, Moses received the Ten Commandments up on the mountain, and when he came down, the children were worshipped in a golden calf. Mm-hmm. And there's a judgment right there. We see a judgment where those that were on Moses' side moved. Those that worshipped the calf was on the other side. And then we see a judgment of destruction of people right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, judgment passed and uh, their sins and, and the death. So, uh, Day of Atonement is, is a judgment. And so we kind of see that in that picture right there. So I thought it was interesting just to bring out. And, uh, and that's, uh, we talked about a little bit about uh, the Feast of Trumpets, the rapture of the church, Day of Atonement, mm-hmm. judgment again. So we can see a picture here, whether that's exactly the day, because no one knows the day or the hour. Yeah. But it really gives us a picture of that. Mm-hmm. Because all the feasts, we didn't really go into this because we've gone in in other episodes. But you know, your previous feasts have their Old Testament fulfillment and their New Testament fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And we get to the Feast of Trumpets, and it doesn't have that New Testament fulfillment yet, which we believe is the rapture. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Day of Atonement, which we believe is the judgment decision. So it's also the time where the saints are in heaven having marriage supper of the Lamb, but the world's getting the wrath poured out. And then tabernacles is when we all come together. So we'll get into more of that yeah. next week. I'm yeah. not going to spoil it. But uh, we have that coming. You look like you got something. Uh, Leviticus 16.29 has a very interesting word that is used. It says, this shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls. So... You were bringing the. You brought your goat. You got your your uh, your rams. You got your bull. Mm-hmm. But the deeper meaning was nothing outward. It was you afflict your soul, mm-hmm. and that was that was the real deeper meaning. And it says uh, it used, and it is used only five times in 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 the Bible. And every time it was used, it was used to the Day of Atonement. Yeah. Uh, the idea is that. Uh, the idea was that you you're humbling ourselves before God, and by the se- time of the second temple, uh, this had evolved into a practice. That's how it came in as a practice of denying ourselves of physical needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so today, even today, the, the 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 Jews participate in a complete fast. Some some of them don't even drink water. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, uh, during this, it's a 25-hour period, and and that begins at the sunset on the day. That's how Jewish, you know. And there are other uh, restrictions that you don't wear. Uh, what should I say? Cosmetics, even leather shoes. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not supposed to wear and all that thing. Most of the day spent in the synagogue and prayer. But that word "afflict your souls" is, I think, it reaches down to the real 
meaning because we can you know do stuff on the outward but god is interested you know where is your soul going to be and so afflicting of your soul means yeah you can you know whip yourself and we see in various religions that they do that but he's talking about our soul mm-hmm. uh, because it has to do with eternity in the new living translation at verse 29 says all who do not deny yeah. themselves and it okay. says deny themselves that day will be cut off from God's people people so we deny ourselves by we deny food we yeah. deny pleasures yeah. and those things and so it is a, a day that is a solemn fast Yeah. And if you remember back in the uh, Exodus when we were doing those uh parshas that we we taught on when the uh they took off their fancy garments because God was displeased yeah. and they put on their plain garments that's what he was referring to so it's it's a time where you're not to show up fancy right. you're not to show off it's all about afflicting your soul and being close to God mm-hmm. um so moving on uh, I got the word korban which means sacrificial offering um In Matthew 5 Jesus teaches us if you have ought against your brother not yeah. even to bring a gift to the altar mm. until you make it right with that person. Yeah. So if by the day of atonement you do not make it right, God may require it to be taken out of your own life. Now I'm going to talk about that for a second because people are going to be like, "What?" Because restitution is still in effect. Mm. Jesus did not destroy the law but fulfilled it. Now they talked about making it right with your brother in the New Testament. You cannot say this has been done away with. So at that you need to make it right before the day of atonement. Now the law would say it would come out in some way of your life or be required or you have to pay this if you're not making these things right. So what I'm saying to you on the day of decision if you're not making it right it's going to be required of you by the father at some point. Yeah. So it's yeah, I know that's deep but we'll move on a little bit. <laughs> you know, it is a It's a day that we're talking about denying yourself and uh, uh there have been uh people that uh well one of the the famous is the baseball player uh in 1965 Sandy Koufax is that his name that refused to pitch the World Series because it landed on uh Yom Kippur oh. and uh so he wouldn't play he would not pitch and because it was something that he being Jew so his replacement I don't remember who it was but I do remember the what he said he he played a horrible game and he pitched really bad and had to be pulled from the game and and he told the coach I bet you wish I was Jewish too so I wouldn't have messed up so much <laughs> but uh but yeah he he became uh recognized by his commitment to the Lord to observe that day hmm. that here you are the first day of the world series you refuse to pitch till you deny yourself and so that it's uh it's they take it serious yeah yeah so amen uh the day of atonement deals with individual and national sins so yes. we'll, we'll jump into that there are four dimensions of sin are sin against god transgressing the law and the commandment sin against others requiring restitution or retribution and sin against self 1st Corinthians uh 6 uh, 18 through 19 goes to that so flee from sexual immorality every other sin a person commits is outside the body but sexual immorality is inside it's a do you not know the temple is the body uh, you know is the holy spirit's temple yeah. what i'm getting at i kind of jumped ahead there 
But uh, you were not your own. You were bought with a price. So it's uh, to glorify God in your body. That's a, uh, that's a sin against yourself. National sins, such as worshiping the golden calf, as I mentioned earlier. So the, these were the four major types. Um, we're going to go into the sin offerings, the burnt offering, the ola, is a general atonement for sin. The sin offering, the hatha, or am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay. Unintentional sin. And then the trespass offering, uh, asham, is to make reparations for sin. So, um, did you have something? No. Uh, here's a question. I mean, it, it's when every time when we talk about atonement, self-denial, uh, there is a feeling amongst us, oh, man, I'm done for. I mean, who can keep the whole thing? So what we try to do is we, we try to find ways and means of coming out of it. And sometimes folks are scared. But the Day of Atonement, very, you know, it is, which was observed year after year. But unlike the Day of Atonement, the death of Jesus on the cross makes the atonement once and for all for us. Mm-hmm. So the takeaway from the Day of Atonement is not, you know, completely, you know, playing ourselves and so much, so much. But even in that, God is giving us hope mm-hmm. because of Jesus who enters. And, and just as it is appointed for man to die once and then the judgment. But it says in Hebrews, I think it's the ninth chapter, it says, uh, so Christ having offered himself to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. So, yes, there has to be a separation. Yes, God is bringing forth judgment on, on, on a level of where is as a nation and then as individuals, but He doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us there because Jesus is coming. Mm-hmm. Jesus is coming and so... Uh, Hebrews 9, 27 and 28 are very, very crucial to that because most of the time as Day of Atonement, it ends with communion. Mm-hmm. And so it's, so God has very beautifully tied it into that so that even when Moses, when Pastor was talking about Moses, when he brought the, you know, Ten Commandments down, it was that's the day also the Levites were separated. Aaron was going to be the high priest he, because he knew the stuff. And so the separation took place there and then. Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come this side. Yeah. And so uh, it's uh, when, you, when you read Hebrews 9, uh, it's Christ offering himself once and for all. Yes. And that is also the day of atonement. So this, it's a, it always gives us hope. And it always helps us to, you know, just have an inward look. Mm-hmm. When Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up, the first words that come from his tongue are, I'm undone. <laughs> so recognizing our own sinfulness. And so I just, just a little bit over there. Gotcha. <laughs> um, what is atonement? So it's mentioned 80 times in the Old Testament, the KGV. It is the word uh, uh, kafir. Mm-hmm. Am I saying it right? Kippur, yeah, covering. Uh, to meaning to cover, cover, to placate, to cancel. And the plural form is kapurim, 
as, and uh, the mercy scene on the ark is Koporeth, and uh, it which was where the two angels spread their wings and they made the sea. Yes. So you know when the God's Spirit would come mm-hmm. down on the Day of Atonement. Um, in Genesis six uh, fourteen, speaking to Noah, God tells him to make an ark and cover it, which is the same word here, with pitch. It's all about covering our sin and removing yeah. it. And he'll come down on the Day of Atonement and sit between the angels of mercy and speak to you. So it's uh, when he made the ark, it's interesting, Noah, that he covered it with the pitch. So it's uh, inside the ark itself. Now I'm talking about the one in the tabernacle. Was the golden pot, the rod of Aaron, and the law. And the people of Beth Shemesh opened the ark and looked inside. They removed the mercy seat. So then the law was read, the pot of judgment was poured out, that's the way I'm putting it, and the rod of the priest was carried out to judgment. So imagine a king pointing the rod. Mm. So here's the, here's the law, here's the judgment for your disobedience, and it's pointing right at you with the rod. So they brought it on themselves in that. Now they wanted to see what was inside the ark. Uh, what is it to, uh, like to know, or shall we say, have the power of God? Because if you knew what was inside the ark and what it would bring, you wouldn't have opened it. But to be like God, because it's like, well, is there an artifact on the inside? Is there something I can obtain power from? So you got to think about the mindset they must have had to open that. Mm. It's not just curiosity, but can I obtain something here? So if I can get inside the ark, maybe I can take the power from myself. Maybe I can do whatever I want with it. I will decide what's right and what's wrong. I'm going somewhere, trust me. So they were struck by the Lord for looking inside. Now, Adam and Eve bit into the apple to be like God. The temptation was, I'll be like God. I will have the power and the authority. I can do what I want. I won't have to obey God. Mercy seat removed. Pot poured out in uh, judgment. The sentence carried out. Uh, The rod pointed and it fell on mankind. Hasatan wanted to be like God, Satan. He wanted to be greater than God, make his own rules. He doesn't have to listen to God. I will make my throne above God's. I can do what I want. Hmm. So we see where this all stems from. That's where the temptation always comes from. And that's why I wanted to point it out. Uh, You know, Satan removed the mercy seat from his life. He removed the mercy from his life. Because he wanted to be greater than God and disobey all it. So he got all of it poured out in judgment and cast from heaven uh, like lightning. So when people today say, I don't have to obey the voice of God. I can do what I want. How is that any different? So that's what I want to point out to people. Not everything you think is from you. Where does that stem from? Where does that desire to disobey the will of God come from? Where does the thought that I want to do whatever I want to do? I do what I want. Where does that stem from? Where, who's the source of that? Right. So uh, your thoughts and feelings are not always yours alone. Who is the enemy that tempts us? Who had these thoughts of rebellion to begin with? That's what I'm getting at. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebelling against God's will is like removing the mercy seat of the ark and declaring judgment on yourself. Mm-hmm. That's literally what it is. Are you declaring judgment on yourself or are you... Seeking repentance to do God's will. So it's so during this time, it's individualized. Mm-hmm. We can repent 
we present ourselves righteous before God. So it's a, this is a time that uh, all, all people need to repent. And uh, also, you know, uh, make restitution with one another. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you not only want to get right with God, but you want to get right mm -hmm. with people. Yeah. This is a time to uh, ask for forgiveness. So it's a time for restoration of God's people mm -hmm. coming together. Amen. So it's very important, even in our day time to, uh, in our days to, to always uh, be ready for uh, to have a repentant heart. Yes, and I, and I know I'm going and making this a little bit hard. It's a little bit tough today, and I know I'm doing that. Uh, but we'll, we'll bring it back around. So, yeah. uh, so um, coming back to the thing that make it right, and uh, many times. Many times, in wanting to make it right, uh, when we when we when the Bible says, you know, if you have an offering and you have something against your brother, leave your offering and go and be reconciled. Now, in my experience, what I saw was reconciliation first. If it's not done vertically, the horizontal becomes very difficult. Because we immediately charge into, you know, oh, I need to get it right. I need to get it right. And so sometimes that doesn't work. Uh, I, I had this experience and I, it, it's a lot taught me this lesson years ago that first you get right with me. Then I will give you the grace and the grace of God will be on the other person also. So God will soften the heart. Mm -hmm. So that when you approach, because sometimes I've known people who have not, forget about friends or anybody, own family members have not spoken to each other for years and years. So how do you, in our today's language, break the ice? I think if we get this relationship right with God, if I'm right with God, God makes a way for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's it's very, very important uh, the day of atonement was let us get right with God first. And if we get that going, the rest of the way, God makes the way mm -hmm. for us. And so it, it becomes easier. You know, he says, you said, then that verse comes into play. You won't have to prepare what you're going to say. When you get there, I'll tell you. So when your heart is right, and we see that played out very well in the life of Joseph. Mm -hmm. When his reconciliation is taking place, how could he say, you know, don't be angry with yourselves? Because God has already dealt with his heart. Mm. And so the reconciliation with the brothers was so easy. Mm -hmm. So it, it, we need to be reconciled first unto him. And then this, this horizontal relationship becomes easy. Yeah. 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 So... And, uh, you know, I've heard it said, you know, when you forgive someone, you're not releasing the weight from them. You're releasing you are, it yeah, from yeah, yourself. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. You know, in uh, another tradition in, uh, on uh, the Day of Atonement, uh, Yom Kippur was uh, the wearing of white. Mm -hmm. they, they wore white to signify purity. But also men would wear the white uh, burial shrouds mm -hmm. uh, to signify that they were totally dead to the past, to the sin, and it showed a, a purity of, and forgiveness and cleansedness, and they're more accepted. 
God. So I, I believe it's still the tradition today in Jewish culture to wear uh, white on, on the day of time. Yeah, man, it, it probably is. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he jumped ahead a little bit, right. but we're going to remember that because that's going to come back around here in a minute. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Uh, when the saints of God are removed from the earth in Revelations 4.1, we talked about that last week, the restrainer, the mercy seat is removed, the book of judgment are poured out, and the scepter of the Lord is pointed over the earth. So I want you to see the same effect as what we were talking about earlier going into place. And uh, it's a sign of time when uh, God's judgment is decided, carried out until tabernacles. Um, in heaven, the raptured saints are enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb and are being rewarded for their good works while the world is receiving the wrath of God. So you're seeing all that take place. Uh, the saints are enjoying intimacy with God, becoming like one spirit, like one mind, and fulfilling the covenant, married to the Lord. Uh, the world is receiving the penalty uh, for their folly, all manner of judgment as they refuse to repent. See, the devil never tried to repent or do good. His people won't either. Yeah. So it's a, shell, a selfish person wants to be God of their own life and go the way they want to go. May, every major decision, ministry, what they do, what job, uh, marriage, anything else, I am in control. I will decide what I'm going to a selfless person asks, Father, what would you have me do? Yeah. That's the major difference. Mm -hmm. So the entire Bible, you can see one after another, there's people doing selfish decisions, selfish rebellion, and then there's selfless people mm -hmm. doing things that God asks them to do and following Him. One after another, each book, you can see this taking yeah. place. It's a message to us, you know, are you going to live a selfless life? Because uh, God's uh, own name is uh, the... Uh, well, I forget how exactly it goes, but uh, he's a selfless God because he's making all this for us. He's doing all this for us. Yeah. It's not about himself yeah. as much as it is, I love you and I'm going to show you that I'm being selfless. Will you carry that out? So in the millennial reign, when we finally get to that, it's learning to be selfless, learning. That's the goal of the heart of it is can we be selfless and carry out all these things uh, that God would have us do? It's not about self. It's selfless. So come on, just bringing that out. Um, in Genesis thirty-two twenty, Jacob uh, gave a gift to Esau, a cover, covering, to appease and turn away his anger. So we remember that Proverbs sixteen fourteen speaks of pacifying the, the cover again, a king's wrath with a gift. So that comes back around again. Yeah. So the three most common terms from sin, hata, straying away from the path, ignorance, forgetfulness, or neglecting the truth. 459 times that's found in the Bible. Avon, crookedness in your conduct, iniquity, or sin, deliberately committed, 229 times. Pesha, rebellious transgression, trespass. The, the Pesha sin is when you rebel knowing you are breaking God's covenant. Three, no, 136 times it's mentioned in the Bible. So King David's sin in numbering Israel was not because he numbered them, but that he did not collect the half shekel of silver the, of redemption. So if you remember back in Exodus, I believe it's in Exodus, it could be Leviticus, but redemption isn't free is the point. Redemption isn't free. In church, we tend to gracify everything. And, but Jesus paid the price for our sins. 
that redemption wasn't free. Now we, we, we hear that term all the time, but it's speaking about military. But for the church, redemption wasn't free. God paid the price. And so should we not be dead to self and selfless and follow him? Because he paid that price for us. You know, Paul spoke of that, you know, but it's, I'm just bringing that out. You know, Jesus did that and he did it selflessly. Redemption should draw us closer to God and not to rebel. So when we have redemption, well, I can do whatever I want because the sins are covered. That's not the attitude we should have on that. The attitude should be, you know, am I going to betray God? Am I going to do Hasatan's work? Am I going to do, I am God, I can do whatever I want, it's I rule my life? Or, hey, Jesus died for me, I'm going to obey whatever direction he asked for me. It's, you know. Uh, but we talked about it, uh, I don't know if we mentioned it during the podcast here, but we mentioned it, we were talking about it beforehand. Uh, why can the devil not uh, accuse you on that day? Did, mm-hmm. did I cover that? You not. We haven't in the podcast, but you, we were talking about it prior okay. to that. So 364 is the number of Hasatan. When you take out his letters in Hebrew and you break them apart and you count the letters, it's 364. And rabbis will say that he can accuse you on every day but the Day of Atonement. And that is one of the reasons why. It's not all of the reasons, but it is one of the reasons why. So it's also the Day of Judgment. So you, like I said, in the courtroom, you, right. it's the decision yeah. day. There's no more talking and deliberating. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it's a day of fasting, afflicting your souls, like y'all said. All work ceased, offerings made by fire, uh, by the high priest, not the people. Uh, not even beasts were permitted to eat from sunrise to sunset. Uh, now, Jubilees, this was the day Jacob uh, heard Joseph was dead. It was on the Day of Atonement. Uh, Jubilees 34, chapters, um, chapter 34, 17 through 18 covers that. But um, a bull, a ram, seven lambs, and one goat were offered on this day. A special atonement, two identical goats taken from the region of Jericho. Um, so Israel, Jacob, was linked to uh, two goat skins with deception involved. So we first have Esau and him covering it and Sarah saying that and putting, making it hairy on his arms to appear like Esau. And then later he's deceived by his own sons because uh, Joseph's coat of many colors was a goat skin color. So he's, they brought it back and show it to him, and he's deceived by that. So if you, if you actually look up any of this stuff happening in the Old Testament, it's amazing how each time a patriarch sins, it comes back to him. Mm-hmm. You'll see it over and over. It's, it always comes back in some way in their life. Uh, so it's a good representation to us, you know, to make things right as quickly as and, and the reason And the reason uh, it comes back is if it didn't come back, and the reason we're saying comes back that time is is given to us that we get it right. Mm-hmm. It will come back because the New Testament says, make sure your sin will find you out. Mm-hmm. So it so we are governed by 24 hours, not God. And sometimes we see, you know, people say, you know, look at those people. They're, they're as wicked as and nothing happens to them. If you go read... Uh, when Jonah goes to Nineveh and he preaches, and the entire nation, even the animals, you know, repented. <laughs> but a hundred years from there, God judged them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does it tell us? It tells us that God 
gives us a long rope. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll keep egging us on, you know, maybe through the word or maybe when we are sitting in a church. And, and so it comes back that between it coming back, that time frame, God wants to give us. That's why he gives even Esau over a period of time. We see for sure, even when you see the, when, when uh, uh, Cain gets up and kills his brother. Mm-hmm. And the, the Bible says the voice of the Lord moved and he asked, where is thy brother? What does Cain say? Am I my brother's keeper? So till that moment, many people think that, you know, God did not know what he has done. So if God asks us a question, he's not looking for information. That's good. He already knows. He already knows. What he's trying to do is to get us back before he puts on the robe of the judge. He's giving us time. Even that's what's happening on the day of atonement. I'm giving you time. Mm -hmm. And so get it right. And the most beautiful thing about is we are not left there to figure it out ourselves. He's shown us the way as well. And Mm -hmm. and so uh, it's it's very, very important. That's where uh, the church goes wrong in, you know, taking the grace to another level, yeah. you know, overemphasizing it. And it makes God to be, you know, cheap and that never happens. Yeah, That never happens, you know. And so uh, it, it's very, very important that we understand everything that God does in our lives is uh, not to not to destroy us, but to bring us back See, he says, I, I want to draw them in loving kindness. Mm-hmm. But we flaunt it over and over again. You know, what? it's important, very important to understand and learn, especially uh, the Day of Atonement and what we're talking about today, because uh, we do believe in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do believe in the rapture of the church. And these fall feasts, Rosh Hashanah talks about the rapture and judgment. But if we don't understand judgment, yeah. then Rosh Hashanah is not going to do it. Uh, I think, yeah. Gonna, yeah. You're going to be missed out. Yes. So we need to understand this so we'll be being prepared. And then, of course, I'm going to jump ahead. Next, uh, next week, the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, actually, I think it's, it's September 29th. So we have a few weeks uh, before we have to do that, I believe. I think we had to still have to record it next week to be yeah, on time. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're probably right because I'm thinking we had more time. But that refers to the millennial rest mm-hmm. with Christ. So yeah. this one here, uh, the repentance, the forgiveness of sin, because this is judgment mm-hmm. on our sin. So it's very important to understand this here, what we're talking about today. Amen. And it's uh, the in, re- in response to that, uh, it's important to understand to make things right, yes, uh, but also this, that what I was talking about, about being selfless. So, and everything that he said and everything that uh, uh, Apostle Freddie said, it's, it's looking at it, you know, you have this chance, this opportunity to make things right before judgment comes around. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're talking about because God will always come up and say, hey, this is the way I want you to go. Hey, come over here and do it this way. Hey, I'm trying to lead you this way. Hey, over and over and over again, he's going to come to you and, and try to point you in the right direction. It's your choice if you listen or not. 
It always is. I, this is one thing I try to tell, especially young people. You always have a choice. Don't let anybody fool you on that. Because mm -hmm. people like to say, oh, God's sovereign. Everything's going to happen automagically. That's the word I use for that. Like, it doesn't happen that way. Right. You have a choice. You have the choice of obedience and be and selflessness yes. or selfishness and rebellion. Mm -hmm. it's, it's your absolute choice. Don't let anyone fool you on that. Uh, so understand that, and this is the times that we're moving in. We're getting closer and closer to the end of days. So anyway, we'll, we'll move on because I'm getting distracted. So uh, Christ took our sins on the cross and carried away our sin and uh, guilt. The death of the scapegoat, and he bore our grief and carried out uh, our sorrows. And Isaiah 53, 4, took our infirmities, bare our sickness. Matthew 8, 17, sin and disease were placed upon Christ as our replacement. God made his soul a sin offering in Isaiah 53, 10. Bear their iniquities and bear their sins of many. That's 10 through 12. So uh, he, he's covered all of this. And on top of that, the high priest wore eight garments of beauty. atoning. For, uh, these are atoning symbols. So the tunic covering his body atoned for killing. Pants atoned for sexual transgression. Turban atoned for pride. The belt atoned for the sins of the heart, the breastplate for errors of judgment, the ephod for idolatry, and the robe for evil speech. And then we've talked about evil speech many times in the parshas, the crown for arrogance. Yeah. So these are uh, just some of those. Uh, he changes into foreign linen garments woven from six individual strands of fabric on that day. Um, he goes through the process of making atonement, you know, two handfuls, I believe, of incense placed in a fire pan and coals from the brass altar are placed in a bowl in the golden altar. Mm -hmm. And smoke would uh, fill the room and a cloud of smoke would cover the mercy seat. Uh, the sin offering for himself and his house, he sprinkled blood on the east side of the altar. Uh, the blood was sprinkled 43 times on the furniture, on the veil and the horns of the altar. So... Covered all that part. Uh, you had mentioned the garments and things before. Do you want to touch on any of that? There were the the, the fabric mm -hmm. was linen, mm -hmm. and we and, and it was uh, it has to be uh, seamless. And you see in the New Testament, Jesus, the garment was seamless. Mm -hmm. So again, again, you know, it's it's the foreshadow, and again we see God's love for His people. He. Yes, this is judgment, but he's continuously telling us, I'm making a way. Yeah. I'm making mm -hmm. a way. You, ha you know, if you come through this way, I'm making a way. And that is why, why do you think they divided his garment at the cross? You know, they divided his garment because it's dating back. It's, he was trying to tell the people what was happening and now what has happened is completion. So uh, again, coming back, every time, every time you see God passing judgment on his people, and Peter refers to that, it starts with us first. Mm -hmm. uh, it never ever ended with, you know, Moses says it very beautifully. He says, I've shown you all these things. I've said before you life, but I pray that you choose life. Mm -hmm. Joshua says, you know, you, we've seen all these things and I don't know about you, but this is what I'm going to do. So you see that that thread from Genesis to Revelation runs in spite of all, 
the stuff and our own stubbornness in today by, you know, putting ourselves ahead. The nature and the mercy of God has not changed. And that is why today we think that we can get away with it. Mm -hmm. But that's not so. There will be a day of reckoning. Mm -hmm. And in the, what does the word of God say? Judgment begins in the house of God. And if it first began with us, what shall the end be of those who obey not? Mm -hmm. So, and you know, today we are told, you know, are you trying to scare me? You bet. <laughs> because the other side will be, it can, we cannot tolerate it. Yeah. It's going to be very, very dangerous. People say, you know, uh, today, liberal scholars say there is no such thing as hell. We're not supposed... You know, don't say hell. And if you take it, if you further break it down, I, for me, it's not, it's not the fire that troubles me. Separation from Jesus yeah. is the biggest hell that we can go through. So, the, the, you know, many of us are very deceived. You know, I, oh, the fire is very bad. No, it's not the fire. You don't even have to go that far. If we are separate for, from Jesus, that is worse than that hell. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So uh, I, I think that's what we need to know. And that's what uh, uh, the, the entire family of God needs to know that. Don't wait. Oh, you know, that hell is bad. No, if I'm separated from Christ, hell is right here. I'm going through it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, people say, well, hell may be more comfortable for me because I'm a low down, dirty sinner. I've got news for you. Well, separation from God is like attaching every negative emotion you can possibly put on yourself because he's the one that prevents those things. So if you're having trouble with anxiety, uh, depression, anything else, any negative emotion, you're having a separation from God a little bit in your life. That's the way I put it. I know people don't like it when I yeah. say that, but... There is a separation from the Spirit of God in some area of your life because you're lacking faith. You're lacking hope. You're lacking His presence in that area. So imagine not having any of it. Right. You know, so. you reference, I'll be more comfortable in hell because of my lifestyle. You know, a lot of people, uh, they know they're not living for God and they may even claim to be an atheist and uh, uh whatever and and so they they hear us talk about hell and they say well you know i don't know god now so it, what it's no big difference but see the difference is when you inhale you're totally separated right now the light of the world is still in the world we are the light of the world and as long as there's light there's hope but once all hope is taken i don't care from me or the atheist or anybody when all hope is taken, it, it changes the circumstances. Oh, yeah. And hell is not going to be like what a party like people think. Yeah. Because it is going to be a, in a time of total, total darkness with zero hope. Mm -hmm. Zero hope. Mm -hmm. I mean, even just a small thread of hope can get you through a day, yeah. can get you, you through a situation. But hell is zero, zero hope. It's a hundred percent guaranteed nothing is going to come good. Yes. Yeah. And so, and it's total darkness. And that total darkness 
separation. Uh, you know, uh, we we got people that, that live in Alaska and they got, what, eight, nine months of total darkness practically. And it's one of the, the highest places of depression there is. But just think, if it was complete total darkness, yeah, uh, it is a, a hopeless situation. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Day of Atonement is important to understand. Judgment's coming. Judgment is coming. Yes. Uh, I'll try to. There were some things I was going to touch on, but we're, we're going to move right along because uh, we're, we're we're at forty four minutes, guys. Yeah. So we got about fifteen minutes. We can wrap this thing up. So anyway. Revelations 4.8, uh, it talks about the four living creatures and each of them having six wings full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So uh, they have the face of a lion. The second has the face of a calf. The third has the face of a man. And the fourth has the face of an eagle. Now, it's the same in Ezekiel's vision with the faces. And it's the same with the children of Israel in the wilderness. Because it, uh, with the uh, tribes set up, then tabernacle in the middle, the north is Dan, whose symbol is the eagle. Mm-hmm. To the east is Judah, whose symbol is the lion. To the west is Ephraim, uh, whose symbol is the bull or the calf. And to the south is Reuben, whose uh, symbol is the face of a man. So when Israel was conquered, the Jews dispersed all over the world, and they dispersed according to where they were lined up. I don't know if anybody knows or tracked that, but if you go back and you try to track as much as you possibly can, you can't find everything, but they dispersed the way they were lined up, mostly. So it's the mystery of who bears the throne. So in Ezekiel, he's got the wheels, he's got the creatures, he's got the many eyes, he's got the things. Uh, in Revelations, it talks about the saints that are killed during the tribulation underneath the throne room. You've got the four living creatures sitting there full of eyes. Who are the four living creatures? The four living creatures are all the saints of God crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's his people. It's the raptured people. That's why I'm pointing that out. Revelations 4.1 has already happened, but the living creatures are not mentioned until after this. No. So the living creatures are the raptured church. I don't want you to understand that. That's that's my belief on that, and I'm not saying you have to believe that. But uh, the saints slain from tribulation are under the throne until they are all gathered after the sealing of the 144,000. We get uh, that's in chapter seven. So the 144,000. Now this is uh, you don't hear this very often, but I'm going to talk about that. Uh, the mid-trib rapture. That's the 144,000. I will point that out. That's when the Jews, uh, they get sealed and they get carried away. So I will tell you, I'm not the kind of person who will tell you there's only one rapture. I will tell you there's multiple. Because people love to argue about this all day and night. And I look at it and I'm like, well, there's more than one. So I'm not going to argue with that because there's one that comes like a thief in the night. That's your pre-trib. You got the 144,000 and it talks about taking them away. What else do you want to call that? That's a rapture. And then there's everybody resurrected at the end for the white throne judgment. What is that? That's a rapture. So it's it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a play with words actually mm-hmm. because the English language in the original because uh, there are some terms that don't have a meaning in the English language. Yeah. And so uh, many folks are confused, you know, with the term rapture. You know, it's 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 taking up or you know, uh, pulling up, and there's so many, because of the 
the barrier of language. Mm -hmm. uh, so you always have to go to the original. Uh, you know, what is the intended meaning of what they were trying to say at that time? And, yeah. and I think sometimes folks uh, who say, you know, I don't want to read the book of Revelation is scary. That's the reason. Yeah. That's the reason. But the book of Revelation, it says, read it and get blessed. Right. Yes. It's the only one you get Yeah, blessed. yeah, you get, so just read it and get blessed. And, and like you were saying, you know, there are many views, post-trib, mid-trib, you know, all these things. Uh, I think, I think that the body of Christ, the church must live every day with the expectation of his return. Amen. Right. We, we can argue like forever and forever. Yeah. Okay, the rapture and you know, will, be, will the church go to tribulation? I don't think so. Right. You know, one of the things that you're talking about, and, and a lot of people like to argue, are you pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib? Okay. Uh, and different ones make different cases. But we believe that there is a pre-trib, we believe there is a mid-trip, and yeah. we believe there is yeah. a post-trip. Now, this day, talking about the, the Feast of Trumpets, this is just some thoughts that I had. Uh, it may help somebody. It may really confuse you, mess you up. <laughs> but uh, we were, you hear us say that the Feast of Trumpets is a rapture. Which rapture? Is it the rapture, pre-trip rapture? I sometimes think not. I want, you know, I, even I believe it's a rapture. Or is it the mid-trib rapture? Or is it the post-trib rapture? And so we, we kind of look at it. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it just brings up another argument, another thing uh, to talk about. But I do believe there's going to be a rapture at the Feast of Trumpets leading into the Day of Atonement. But the, the point that you'll, you, people have heard me say for years, I'm going on the first load. <laughs> I'm going to be prepared for the first load. Yeah. I don't care that there's a second or third. I don't want to wait for them. I want to go on the first load. Yeah. So uh, it's not about trying to get people to believe exactly the way we believe on, on these things. We're trying to, yeah. to present the word, teach. These are coming. Uh, do we have the right order? Well, the reason why I teach it the way I do, and I'll explain it very yeah. simply, Revelations goes in a timeline. Yes. It doesn't bounce back and forth. True. So because of that, that's the reason why yeah. I teach it the way I do. Yeah. And, and, and the, the most significant thing about the book of Revelation is, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And many times we get stuck with the symbolism. And that's where you start giving dates. That's where you start giving, you know, names to, okay, uh, uh, Hitler was the Antichrist and so many. So many folk believe, you know, they will not go, to, the church will not go through tribulation because he cannot leave his bride to go through the tribulation. I mean, if you look at it, just, it's just common sense. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, you know, he's coming back for his bride. He will not leave his bride. Some people say, well, we are in the tribulation now for places around the world. What about Boko Haram? They're literally going through yeah. you know, tribulation. Every day they kill hundreds and 
hundreds of people who believe in Christ. For, for them, I'm in the tribulation. So let's not get caught up. Like, yeah. like uh, Pastor Freddie said, you know what? I'm going to go in the first load. Yeah. <laughs> that, I'm going to be ready. Yeah, I don't care for dates. I want to live in a manner that, you know, I don't have to second guess yeah. and, and be, uh, you know, not live afraid, but I want to live in the fear of God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. And one of the reasons I kind of stick with pre-trip and the reasons why I stress it, and I will tell you flat out, because if there is a deception on that and you say, well, I believe in mid-trip. Well, if you believe in mid-trip, you don't believe there's a thief in the night. You don't believe it'll catch you by surprise and you think you'll know when it's coming. So what's the parable of the five foolish virgins and the 10 virgins about? What is any of that about? Yeah. What is the surprise about? Yeah. Because you've just taken all of that out and you say, I don't have to worry about it. I get to stick around. And I think that's fear, yeah. not faith. So faith is, I believe he's coming and I believe it'll catch me by surprise. Yeah. It's that day or the hour that I don't know. That requires faith. So I would say I would rather have the faith and believe in the whole of God's word rather than leave out certain scriptures and say, well, this is why I believe what I believe because it makes me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you that so, uh, in the pre-trip. That's, that's why I say it that way. So whatever you believe, just be ready. Yeah. Just be yeah. ready. And, 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 and just to address the some thought Hitler was the Antichrist. He, he probably was. But there always has to be since the resurrection of Jesus, there has to be an antichrist because the rapture can come at any time. And the day of the rapture, the antichrist will be revealed. Mm -hmm. So if if the Lord's return, the rapture was in Hitler's day, then he could have been. Or if it could have been in other people's days, it could have been. So there's an antichrist always living in the earth. Yeah. There's people listening today are antichrist, but they don't believe in Christ. So they are a form, a type of antichrist. Now, are they the antichrist? Maybe not, but there is one living today. So be ready. So just to make things complicated, um, we do see, what he mentioned Boko Haram and some of these other things that are going around and all these things. They're lining up nations. If you look through Ezekiel, Isaiah, and the different ones in the major and minor prophets and talking about the end times, how these nations will line up. Everything is being lined up now like it never has. Right. And it is, we can see it coming. Yeah. So any Bible scholar, which I know he's one, he sees it coming. I see it coming. I see these things lining up. It's like, wow, I didn't think I would see that so right. soon. But it's happening left and right. So it's important to understand that while we may not disclose everything, we see it happening. And we're telling you time is short. So I would say within the next 10 years, we're going to see some very drastic changes and everyone's going to be screaming, get ready because it, it's, we're, we're coming down to the wire. You know? So anyway, after these things, I looked and there was an enormous crowd that no one could count made up of persons of every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the lamb dressed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. They are shouting out to the Lord, uh, they're shouting out loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. So that happens right there in chapter 7. And verse 14 speaks of the ones that came out of the great tribulation, the 144,000, your mid-trib rapture, uh, all that stuff. 
It speaks of them there in uh, verse 14. Now all that's left on earth is evil people. That's it. The Lamb opens the seventh seal, seven trumpet angels, and large amount of incense was given to Him to offer up with all the prayers of the saints on the golden altar before the throne. This is why I will tell you 100% when you read this, I don't believe that uh, a post-trib rapture is for saints. I believe it's under judgment because it says what? All the prayers of the saints. It doesn't exclude any. It's all. And they're already there. They're in heaven. And they get, it's, it's all together. So anyway, this begins the last three and a half years of tribulation. I could go on, but suffice to say, the day of atonement is joyous for us. And it is salvation uh, for us, to the Lord. But it is a dreadful to the fakes and unbelievers. It's absolute dreadful. So with all of that done, anyone have anything else they want to add? I think we've covered a lot of stuff today, uh, but it is important to understand all of the feasts, and uh, very important that we focus upon these last three feasts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I know that we had covered the early feasts, and, and uh, some of those that may have followed us noticed there was a break, uh, you know, and and it's just other things busy. But it was so important about these feasts, we wanted to come back and uh, cover these feasts. Uh, I've always enjoyed uh, reading and studying about the feasts, all seven of them. And so it's uh, it's good. So we covered uh, or caused a lot of confusion one or the other <laughs> on uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But now we get, we're going to be talking, moving into the, the Feast of Booths or mm-hmm. the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, uh, it's called. But this is talking about a time of peace and rest. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know it's going to be an exciting coming up uh, here next week. Uh, so, uh, but I do want to have Pastor Andy, Andrew uh, greet you. Uh, it's been a privilege and honor to have you with us these past couple of weeks. Uh, he will be leaving the United States uh, here in just a couple of days, heading back to his home in India where his family is waiting for him and uh, his congregation there. And I know all those Bible students. So, Pastor Andrew, uh, uh, greet our people. And uh, Well, I am so grateful to God for this opportunity, especially to come to Kentucky and be with uh, Pastor Freddie and uh, the church here at Faith Worship. Uh, like I said, our friendship goes back to 2006. And uh, it's a beautiful journey that began of friendship and sharing the same heart. Uh, we all have a lot of friends, but then we've got those who share our hearts. With, we share our hearts with one another. And uh, our hearts were knit in this one thing that was... Let's go to places where no one has ever gone before. And so uh, I'm very grateful for this church and the leadership of this church. uh, Because uh, let me quickly tell you, it was this church and and this man of God that came to our church. And uh, that's when I got the opportunity to come to America and see what God is doing all around the world. And uh, it's been a wonderful privilege. And I want to thank Pastor Freddie and the church here at Faith Worship. Uh, This is 
a lighthouse. I encourage you, you know, these are wonderful days to live in. Let us come together as a family of God. You know, the church of Jesus Christ, whether it's in India or whether it's in America, if it's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm home here. Yes, we, I have a home church back in India. But whenever I travel, I always look, you know, to a place where we can come together and reap this end time harvest. So I bless you in the name of the Lord. And once again, thank you for this privilege of being in your midst. Amen. 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 So uh, tune in next week. We'll cover the, the Feast of Tabernacles and we'll talk about that. And thank you for joining us. Thank it's you. been awesome. And uh, we'll see you next week. God bless. God bless you.